Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. Elijah, the keys to courage, 1 Kings 17.1. But first I'm going to start with a farm story. I don't have any great farm stories to share coming back because I was trying to think, why didn't we have any? Because Kim went with us. So we, you know, she keeps us out of trouble. You know, you know there was nobody falling in the pond. I, I knew, we knew where the baby was all the time. You know, was, there was no farm stories. We came back safe and sound, but there's no stories. But anyway, uh, this is from earlier when I was younger. I was maybe 13 and my little brother Todd was about 11 and we, we like to trap. I know it's a mean thing. We like to trap animals. Uh, but my mom had a rule. You couldn't trap near the barns or houses. You couldn't shoot anything near the barns or houses. And you couldn't trap anything near the barns and houses. Which means we didn't shoot or trap much at all. Because it's hard. All the, all the animals out in the woods are, are real smart. The ones by the barns and houses are tame. But I was out. We were out looking one day. And I saw under the corn crib, which is just on the other side of the barn. There's a house. And there's some space. And there's a barn. And then there's a corn crib. And... Uh, I, we, we saw this hole under the corn crib. We knew it was an animal, and it was a big hole. I'm like, wow, maybe a fox? What could that be? Something raccoon? We're going to get something good here. So we had to be sneaky, because if my mom found out we were trapping, she'd take the traps away. We'd not do any trapping for a while. So we had to be sneaky. We snuck out. We said, don't let mom know. We set the trap in the hole, and we waited, waited, waited. The next morning, we go running out. It was a skunk. Now... We weren't in trouble yet because it hadn't blown its top or bottom yet. Uh, I hadn't blown yet. So it, it, there's nothing yet. And, and uh, we were like, what are we going to do? And I said, there's only one thing we can do. If we go to let it out, it's going to squirt us. So we're going to have to shoot it. You know? So I said, Todd, come with me. And we went and got my dad's gun, the 22, and I filled up the clip with seven bullets and, and handed it to him. And uh, <laughs> now, he is a better shot. He's always been a better shot than me. You know, he's, he's an expert shot. He's unbelievable. But even then he was a better shot. But that's not why I hand him the gun. You know why I hand him the gun. All right? And I said, Todd, I'm going to wait on the steps of the house and make sure mom doesn't come out. All right? And you go shoot the skunk. He goes, okay. And he was thrilled. You know, he, he got the you know, 22 and he goes out there. And I yelled at him, but get it on the first shot. You know why. I said, you've got to kill her in the first shot or we're in big trouble, you know. And so he said, okay, okay. And he goes out. And I'm just waiting on pins and needles. I'm just sitting on the steps and waiting and waiting. You can imagine, right? And all of a sudden, I'm like, mom didn't come out. Nobody heard it. We're good to go. You know, mom's not going to have to deal with mom on this one. And feeling pretty good. And all of a sudden I hear, like, he's just making sure. He's just making sure. I, I'm sure that was all that. Seven shots, you know, I'm like, oh, no, and I, and I could already smell it. It was that bad. Oh, you could already smell it. We were in big trouble. Guns, traps, we were in big, big trouble, all right? We were trying to avoid telling my mom, not facing this, tried to avoid telling her, and we ended up with a stinking mess, right? You know, we were in a lot of trouble. Have you ever had to face a scary situation that you didn't want to face or a scary person that you didn't want to face? Maybe you're facing a tough challenge right now. Your job, finances. Health, even death itself, facing a scary time. Maybe you're dealing with a scary person. You're, you're having this problem with a scary person in your life. Maybe it's a boss, a teacher, a coach, a bully. Maybe it's somebody in your past that hurts you. Now, now imagine this. You have to confront this person. You have to deal with them in some way. But the person that you have to confront will probably kill you. 
Imagine that. Imagine that you're, you, you, they've already killed a lot of people you know. Uh, you're, it's at work, and it's a boss, and every time someone in your position has gone to confront the boss, they've been killed. The guy loses a temper and kills them. Imagine that, right? Uh, loses a temper. And, now, and not only that, you know God wants you to confront this person. Wants you to confront this person and tell them something that's going to make them really, really mad. We're going to look at that very story here in 1 Kings 17. We're going to look at a scary story of confrontation, and we're going to get from this story of Elijah the keys to courage. The keys to courage in 1 Corinthians 17. Let's pray first. Father, we thank you for the worship. We thank you for bringing us all here today. We know that each of us needs courage. We need spiritual courage for so many things that we face in our life. Scary people, challenging situations, grief and pain. Lord, we pray that your word would encourage us and, and, and remind us of how you're there to give us that courage. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, now we just finished the book of Joshua. A couple years. All right, we finished the book of Joshua. And we know Joshua was a type of Jesus Christ. You know, Joshua, Hebrew, Jesus, Greek, same exact word. All right, now we're going to look at another Old Testament picture of Jesus Christ today. The life of Elijah in 1 Kings. All right, starting with chapter 17. Uh, Elijah is also a type of someone else. Who? John the Baptist. Remember, Jesus pointed out he was a picture of John the Baptist also. But he's also, it's a double type here, he's also a picture of Jesus in his prophetic ministry. Now, Jesus had three official offices. He wore three hats when he was here on earth. The Son of God came down. He came down to die on the cross for us, to pay for our sins, that if we will put our faith in him, we can, he would be our substitute, he would take our place, our punishment, so that we could go into God's presence for eternity someday. That's what he did for us. But he, he had three hats that he wore when he was here on earth. The God-man, Jesus Christ. He was the great high priest, the great king, and the great prophet. Now, the great high priest, there is a picture in the Old Testament of him as the high priest. Anybody know who that was? Who's the picture? Yeah, Melchizedek. Remember Melchizedek? Read Melchizedek uh, in Genesis and also Hebrews. Melchizedek. He, then there was a picture of him as the great king. Who was the king? David. David. All right, gave you that one. Give me, all right, David. And then the prophet is Elijah. We're going to see a lot of parallels with Elijah. In fact, Elijah, there's no father mentioned for Elijah. When they introduce him, there's no father. Now, we know he had a, a father, but the Holy Spirit did not record his father for a reason, because he's a type, a picture of Jesus who had no earthly father, which we'll talk about more a little bit later. Also, how did, he, how did Elijah leave the earth? He didn't die. How did he leave? Fiery chariot. Wait till we get to that one. Now it's going to be a lot of fun a year from now. But anyway, uh, we get the fiery chariot he leaves. And uh, Jesus, the ascension. He's taken up in the clouds, the ascension, the same. It's all a picture. Okay, now... Elijah means my God is Jehovah. Eli, my God. Jah, Jehovah. My God is Jehovah. And we're going to focus on three things each week as we go through this. First, the picture of Jesus, how he, he's, he's a prophetic picture showing us what the, the prophetic ministry of what, of what Jesus is going to be doing. Also, faith lessons. There's a lot of faith lessons as we go through each of the the miracles and the things that he goes through. Boy, lots of faith lessons. Long time ago, thousands of years ago, but the faith lessons are for us today. Amazing faith lessons. And the last thing, 
is the prophetic. The prophetic. He was a prophet to Israel, and there are so many parallels between Israel then and the USA today. Very, very similar situation that we're facing. Israel was in serious trouble. Serious trouble. That's why God sent him a prophet, to wake them up and to warn them that it's either revival or judgment. Revival or judgment. They woke up for a little while, we'll see, but not for long. They end up finally being judged, okay? We're going to see, you know, see that later on. 58 years before Elijah appears on the scene, 58 years God had judged King Solomon for his idolatry. Solomon, God appeared to him. He built a temple and he turns to idols because he, he married all these foreign wives. And, and Israel began to follow him. They began to go to these foreign temples, these idolatrous temples. They start to follow him. So God judged them. He judged them by dividing the nation. Dividing the nation. He, he divided it into ten tribes and two tribes. The ten northern tribes and the two southern tribes. The ten northern tribes were known as Israel, the two southern tribes were known as Judah, right? And that was the tribe of Judah and Benjamin were together. Then the other ten were up there. And division is a sign of God's judgment. If you see the, the, what God says throughout the scripture, one of the judgments, there's droughts, there's, there's war, there's all kinds of things. But division, sending a division into a country is one of the signs of God's judgment on a country. Does that sound familiar? Have we ever seen our country more divided? It's unbelievable, isn't it? Well, maybe the Civil War, but now we're right back there again. We're at a spiritual Civil War. We are divided. This is God's judgment on our country. So there's a lot we can learn from this. It's a sign of God's judgment. And so the, this ministry of Elijah is to the northern tribe, to Israel. We're going to use the word Israel, and it's really the northern tribe. Uh, there's different prophets went to the different kingdoms, Israel and Judah. But there were seven wicked... They had seven, by the time we come to our story, Israel has had seven kings of just the, the, the divided kingdoms. Seven wicked kings in a row. Seven in a row. Uh, I think seven presidents in a row, but they lasted a lot longer. It wasn't four years or eight years. It was, sometimes it was 20, 40 years. It, was, it could be a long time. And the first one was... Who was the first king of the first Israel? Nope. Saul... David, Solomon were of the combined, but the northern Israel. Who was the first king of that tribe once it divided? Jeroboam. Jeroboam. Remember, Rehoboam was, was Solomon's son, and he took over the southern tribes. But Jeroboam was the king of the first king of Israel, the ten tribes. I'm using Israel and Judah now, okay? So when I say Israel, it's always the ten tribes. He was the first king, and he, the first thing he did, he didn't want everybody going down to Jerusalem to worship at the temple where they're supposed to go and do the sacrifice there because he said, well, if I do that, if they all go down there, they're going to go back to David's son, Rehoboam, and they're going to be loyal, and we don't want them to be influenced. I want to keep the kingdom. So he invented his own religious system. He, he made two golden calves to worship. He, he didn't say, these are still God. This is Jehovah. But the calves represent Jehovah, which is against God's rule. All right? He's not represented by anything, remember? No idols. And also, in time, it degenerated into something worse. In fact, let's just read it. First Kings 12, a couple of chapters before our 17 here. And 1 Kings 12, verse 26 to 33. 
Verse 26, Jeroboam thought to himself, the kingdom will now likely revert to the house of David. If these people go up to offer sacrifices at the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem, they will again give their allegiance to the Lord, Rehoboam, king of Judah. They will kill me and return to King Rehoboam. After seeking advice, the king made two golden calves. He said to the people, it is too much for you to go to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. One he set up in Bethel and the other in Dan. And this thing became a sin. The people went even as far as Dan to worship the one there. Jeroboam built shrines on high places and appointed priests from all sorts of people, even though they were not Levites. He instituted a festival on the 15th day of the 8th month, like the festival held in Judah, and offered sacrifices on the altar. This he did in Bethel, sacrificing to the calves he had made. And at Bethel he also installed priests at the high places, he had made on the 15th day of the eighth month, a month of his own choosing. He offered sacrifices on the altar he had built at Bethel. So he instituted the festival for the Israelites and went up to the altar to make offerings. Wow. Counterfeit. Counterfeit worship. Counterfeit. Just like we have in the USA today. We have been swamped. Those of you who are a little older remember what it used to be like, but we have been swamped by counterfeit religions, cults, the New Age movement, things that we couldn't have dreamed people were following and believing when we were young people, right? It's, it's just amazing, the counterfeit. And it's also infected the church in the USA today. The church has been infected with counterfeit Christianity through, through compromise and apostasy. Denominations and churches that used to follow God and preach the word and, and preach the gospel don't even have Bibles in their churches anymore. Don't even, it's, it's horrible, the apostasy. But it's also even creeping into the evangelical churches, this compromise that's creeping in. It's, 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 it's heartbreaking. And so this is what Israel was like. They had seven wicked kings in a row, starting with Jeroboam and ending with Ahab. Now, there's other kings too, but for our story, there's seven in a row, seven wicked ones, and Ahab was the worst. First Kings 16. In First Kings 16, turn ahead a few chapters, or you can read right behind. In First Corinthians, I'm sorry, First Kings 16, 30, it says, Ahab... Son of Omri did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. He not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, but he also married Jezebel, daughter of Ephbal, king of the Sidonians, and began to serve Baal and worship him. He set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal that he built in Samaria. Ahab also made an Asherah pole and did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than did all the kings of Israel before him. Woo! Ahab and Jezebel. Ahab and Jezebel. They led Israel into apostasy. They led him to apostasy. Uh, the USA is at our, our own Ahab and Jezebel's. Connect some spiritual dots. You can find them in our recent history, some that, that have led us, that claim to be following God, but led us down some very bad trails. Uh, God connects the dots with Ahab and Jezebel. In fact, in verse 34, I just read the 33. In verse 34, he said, In Ahab's time, Hile of Bethel rebuilt Jericho. He laid its foundations at the cost of his firstborn son, Abiram, and he set up its gates at the cost of his youngest son, Segub, in accordance with the word of the Lord spoken by Joshua, son of Nun. Do you remember? Anybody remember that story? 
rebuilding Jericho and the curse that he said. In fact, Joshua 6.26, you don't have to turn. I'm just going to read it for you. But in Joshua 6.26, where Joshua had said, at that time, after the walls of Jericho fell, they wiped it out. And Joshua, at that time, Joshua pronounced this solemn oath. Cursed before the Lord is the man who undertakes to rebuild this city, Jericho. At the cost of his firstborn son, will he lay its foundations? At the cost of his youngest, will he set up its gates? You remember that sermon? If you weren't there, go back into the podcast site or grab the CD. Wow, what what a passage that was that we studied that. But Joshua picture of Jesus said that you cursed if you rebuild Jericho because it was a spiritual place of spiritual darkness. It was a picture of a stronghold. And it's insane that Ahab and Jezebel in their time, someone had the insanity to rebuild that city when there was a curse, God's curse on that but they were blind these people here were blind they had rejected the one true god they rejected the word they no longer even had the word anymore and the effect of sin was killing them sound familiar the effects of sin were were, were, they were killing them and they they were going along they think everything's great they're having a big party it's one big rave but god interrupts this rave And this raving lunatic king, he interrupts it and sends Elijah like a bolt of lightning. Everything's great. Everything's great. Stock market, everything's great. And a bolt of lightning. This guy shows up. 1 Kings 17, 1. Page 295, if you're using the Bible that we handed out. Wow. Now, Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel lives... Whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Wow. Elijah means my God is Jehovah versus Ahab's Baal and Jezebel's Asherah. The Asherah, Paul, was for the, the female. The God was really two parts. It was a male and a female. And sound familiar? All right, and and it, God was male, female, and and they combined, and they you know Baal and Asherah had sex all the time, and it was all part of the Baal worship, you know, with, with these orgies, and uh, and so he says, no, my God, not Baal, not Asherah, my God is Jehovah, and there is one true God. He's saying there's one true God. Look what he's saying here. He said his name is Jehovah. The God of Israel is is Jehovah. He's the one true God, not Baal. It's not Allah. It's not the millions of gods of the, the Hindus who worship millions of gods. It's, not, it's one true God. Jesus said all roads don't lead to the same place. That's what he said. In fact, in Matthew seven thirteen, he says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Sorry, Oprah. Not everybody's going to heaven. I don't know if you've been following her teachings. Not following, but reading them, hearing them. Jesus said, there's one way. There's one true God 
and, one, and it have to go through him, which we'll talk about a little bit more in a minute. But the, the, all roads don't lead to the same place. Baal was a false god. Jehovah is the one true God. And his name is Jehovah. It's not Allah. It's Jehovah. And you have to pick one or the other. And notice there's no reference to Elijah's father. Usually whenever someone's introduced to the Bible, there's a father. No reference because he's a type of Jesus Christ. He is, he, the Holy Spirit purposely leaves out this because of the prophetic picture that he's, he's uh, drawing here of Elijah and showing us what Jesus is going to be like. Because Jesus Christ did not have an earthly father either. His father was Jehovah. And he existed with his father from eternity. But Jesus submitted to be born as, as a, the God-man, Jesus Christ, he, he submitted to be born so that he could die for us. Someone had to come and die in our place. And it had to be some, uh, someone who came and lived a perfect life because he was going to substitute for us. And only a perfect substitute could take our place. Otherwise, he's no, no better off than we are. But Jesus, the God-man, was born. He lived a perfect life. He proved he was the Son of God by his miracles. He proved it by his by his resurrection after he died in our place, he died on a cross in our place and was resurrected from the dead to prove he was the Son of God. And now we put our faith in Jesus Christ. He was Jesus. His Father is Jehovah God and he is God himself. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is not created. Jesus didn't just appear when he was born. He was with, God, with his father from all eternity. He was not created, as the cults claim, and even some Christian groups now claim, Jesus was created. That, that is not true. In, in John chapter 1, verse 1, in John 1 it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the word, word there for Word is Logos. It's Greek. It stands for Jesus Christ. John was making a point there. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. And without him nothing was made that has been made. All things were made through Jesus. He was not created. He is the creator. Along with the Father. And the Holy Spirit. So. Back to Elijah. Who is a type of Jesus. Elijah the Tishbite. The word. Uh, that's the area is from. Uh, the, the, the word. Tishbite means stranger. That's the, the real meaning of it. He was a stranger to the king and his world. This guy was a stranger to that world, just as we're to be strangers. In fact, in 1 Peter 2.11, it says, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. People say to me, Do you think they're really aliens? I go, Yeah, I'm one. We are aliens. The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you become an alien. You no longer belong to this world or follow this world or act out what the world wants you to act out because you realize it's killing you spiritually. It wars against your soul. And we're to be strangers here on earth. Our citizenship is in heaven, right? So we are just like Elijah, supposed to be strangers. But he was a stranger. He was from the wrong side of the tracks. He was from the east side of the Jordan. To get over to Samaria, he had to wade through or swim through, wherever, depending on how high the Jordan River was at that time. He had to go through the Jordan River in order to, to, to get to the other side, to the Israel, to get to Ahab. He was also, says, from Gilead. Not just, it was a Tishbite, but that was in the area of Gilead. And the, the region of Gilead. And Gilead means, anybody know? 
Rocky. It means rocky. It was really rocky. It was this rocky hill country. He was a hillbilly. He was. He was a hillbilly. Coming to Beverly Hills. That's where he's coming. You know, he's coming to this fancy area. He was a hillbilly. He was rough. We're going to see later that he was a hairy man. That's how they describe him, a hairy man. He was a hairy beast. You know, he's a hairy guy. He wore hairy clothes. He's, you know, camels, camel hair clothing. And he was rough and tough. He was like Rocky, Rocky. He was rough and tough. And you can imagine him coming through the Jordan River, wading through or swimming through, coming out this hairy beast, all dripping with water, all kinds of hair. Bigfoot, the original Bigfoot sighting, right? You know, that's probably freaked everybody out. He comes in dripping into Ahab's presence. He was a tough guy. you got to picture what this guy was like. He was a shocking guy. People shaved before they okay, before they shaved this judge. This guy was hairy, you know. He's a part, he looked like a you know, gorilla or something, right? So he comes in, and he was also courageous. He was courageous. He confronts Ahab, who along with Jezebel had already killed most of the prophets. The, the true prophets had already been mostly murdered by Ahab and Jezebel. First Kings 17.1, we see his, his courage. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. He was courageous. Elijah, the name himself, Elijah was a poke in the eye. He says, you worship Baal, but I worship Jehovah. Just the name itself. It would be like going into an Antifa rally riot with a make American... America great again hat on, you know? You know, what would happen? Well, what is happening in the news? They're getting beat up, right? And you're getting beaten. But that's what it would be like going into an Antifa riot with a, with a Trump hat. And, and that, that's what going into Ahab's presence, the Baal worshiper, killing everybody who doesn't believe in Baal. And, and he comes in saying, my, Elijah, my God's Elijah, my God is Jehovah. He comes in and he pokes him in the eye. And then he says, the Lord, and he's talking about the, the one true God. He says, um, the Lord, the God of Israel, lives. The Lord, the God of Israel. He's the real God of Israel, not Baal. And the Lord lives. He's alive. He's in charge. No matter how crazy it's been, you think you're in charge. You think you're running this country. You think you're... you're no, no. God's still in charge. Just wait. You're going to see it. No matter how crazy it gets in this country, in our world, God is still in control. Read the book of Revelation. We know how it's going to end. And he says, not only that, I know him personally. God, Jehovah's in charge. And I know him personally. Whom I serve. Some of you might have a King James Version. Before whom I stand. I stand before him. I serve him. I serve and stand before him, not you. I know who the real king is. And believe me, Ahab, I'm not impressed with you. That's what he's saying. Now, this is usually enough to get yourself killed in Ahab's court immediately. He should have already been dead. Been killing everybody. But he goes even further. He says, the real God is turning off the faucet. There won't be rain or dew. It's going to get really dry. 
And water is a really big deal in Israel. If you've ever been to Israel, it's still a really big deal. But back then, really big deal. God sent them to, Abraham to Israel to this area on purpose. The promised land on purpose. He wanted to keep them completely dependent on him. There's very little water there. There's no network of rivers and lakes that they can just get water from anytime they need it. No, no, no. They're completely dependent on the rain. And that's the way God wanted it. That's why he picked that spot out of all the earth to be the promised land. He wanted his people to be dependent on him. On him. And and next week, we're going to see that this rain prayer that Elijah prays and the drought. We're going to look at that in detail. And we're going to see that it's a courageous prayer for many reasons. Don't miss next week. We're talking about keys to courage. Next week we're going to look at courageous prayer. And do we have the guts to pray according to God's word and, and the way God wants us to pray. But today I just want to focus on, I want to finish up here with on Elijah's courage. His courage to confront Ahab. And, I, and, and the insert in the bulletin, I gave uh, you all an insert, which uh, Kim made up for us, which was really, really nice. And, it, and it, look at the insert so you can kind of follow along and take this home with you. But the handout is the keys to the courage that we're going to look at here. I'm going to bring out a couple, three keys here. The first key is do we know the one true God? Elijah knew the one true God. And that is the starting point to, to, to having courage, the key to courage. In fact, it, it's vital that we know the one true God. In John 17, 3, in John 17, 3, Jesus said, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. There is one true God and there is one way to connect with him through his one and only son, Jesus Christ. In fact, in John fourteen six, Jesus had already said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We can only get to the Father through His Son, and we can only get through the Son through faith in Jesus. Faith in Him and what He did on the cross, putting our trust, our hope, our complete trust. That's what faith is, complete trust in Jesus and what He did on that cross for us. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. That word believe doesn't mean intellectual assent. That's not what the word in the, in the Greek means. It means to, to, to completely believe, put your faith, to trust in, to cling to. The picture, the best picture I give you is a little baby. You pick up a little baby and it grabs a hold of you and clings to you. That little, you know, the child trusting you. That's the, the picture of this word. Completely trusting in Jesus. That's the only way to the one true God is putting our faith in his only son. That's the only way. That's it. And that's the key. The first key is we must know the right way to the right person, to God. It's like a key for your car. If you want to get into your car, you have to have the right key. I got all kinds of keys on my keychain. They're all different cars and houses, you know, doors and all that stuff. But I have to have the right key, and then I have to have the right car. Right? Unfortunately, I, I got a, a gray minivan. Now, everywhere you go, there's minivans, minivans. You know how many times I've gone up to the wrong car and kept pushing the button or tried to put it in the key? Why is it not working? Putting the key in. I can't get into my car. I'm at a soccer game. I'm at the mall. I'm somewhere. 
how many times I've been, you know, trying to get in and I look in and I see, wait a minute, there's no car seat in there. <laughs> That's not my car. <laughs> yeah. It's not the right car. You have to have the right key, Jesus, to go to the right car, God the Father. That is, that is the only, there's one way to the one true God. Key number two, getting this from Elijah, the first one, knowing the one true God. The second one is we have to know we're in good standing with God. He says, before whom I stand, who I, whom I serve. It's vital, the key is, it's vital to know that we are in close fellowship. You're standing before God, you're in close fellowship. And, 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 and in His will. Fellowship and in His will. Vital to be in that close fellowship and in His will. Very, very important to have courage. If we're going to do what needs to be done spiritually and have the courage to do it, we have to know the one true God and know we're in close fellowship and in His will. Jesus said in John 15, 5. In John 15, 5, He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We have to be in close fellowship with God and in His will. And the third key The third key is we have to know God's word and his power. That's why Elijah was able to say God's shutting off the rain. He knew God's word, as we're going to see next week. We're going to go into detail on that next week. He knew God's word that if you worship idols, God's going to turn off the rain. He knew the word and he believed in God's power. He he knew God would do that. He had the power to do that. We're going to see that. He knew the word and he believed in God's power. And we, the same thing for us, we have to know God's word and his power in our life. And these are the three keys to courage, to have the courage to face something scary, a scary situation, a scary person, scary challenge, even death itself, facing death itself. We have to have these, these keys. But now that we have the keys to the car, we have to know how to turn the car on. We have to know how to turn it on. You all have the keys now, but we have to know how to turn that car on. I remember when uh, in high school, I was on the swim team, and we had an end-of-the-year swim party. And it was February, or now you know I'm from Niagara Falls, Buffalo area, freezing, freezing cold. And we're all at this party, and uh, uh, we, the coach had a party at the house, and we're, we're finishing up, and people are starting to go out in the car. And one of the, one of the girls came in, we had this co-ed team, we're a small school, so like, like New Hope here, so it was a co-ed team. And one of the girls came and said, my car won't start, which is like, happens every day almost, where I'm from, it's so cold, right? So she said, so my coach said, come on guys, let's go jump start the car, you know, and, and uh, so we all knew what that meant, you know, now we're, we don't have our gloves, you know, we have some coats, but we're not dressed for being outside, we're coming to a party, but he says, it won't take long, I don't know if you've ever jump started a car, it's been a while, I actually asked John uh, how to do it again, uh, but what you do is you, you get in the car and you, you uh, put it in the gear and you push in the clutch, this is the shifting cars, you know those old manual cars, that's all we grew up with, that's all we had out, out in the farm country, you know the manual, and, and then after you start pushing and pushing it, you pop the clutch, you pull off the clutch and boom, you know, you, by pushing it fast, it, it starts the car, alright, uh, so the car gets started, this is a way to do it without getting out jumper cables and all that. So anyway, so he says, okay, guys, and we come up the car, and the girl gets in the car, and he goes, oh, he said, my coach said, get out of there. I'll do this, you know, get out of there. He didn't trust her to, you know, pop the clutch, right? So she's like, she got all mad. She gets out, you know, she's pouting. And and uh, and so we, we, he says, okay, boys, start pushing. And he rolled the window down, and you start pushing. on We all start pushing. We're freezing. It's freezing. We're pushing, you know, and, and pushing, pushing, pushing. He pops the clutch. 
doesn't start. Oh, we're all so mad, you know. He says, keep pushing, keep pushing. We kept doing this. We went about a mile down the road. We're slipping on the ice. The, the, the roads there are, you know, you live in cold air. You know, the, the roads are caked with ice. You know, there's about three inches of ice snow packed down. And we're pushing and we're freezing. And I, I never forget, my ears were just burning, burning, you know. And we're pushing, pushing. And, 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 and it's just, oh, turn it around. We're going back toward the house. We're already a mile down the road. Turn it around. We're pushing it back. Nothing happened. We finally get back to the house. We're exhausted. We're freezing. We're like mad, you know. And, and, and I'll never forget, I, I, we're looking through the window and the coach has the window down. And he, he, he says, oh, no. And he puts his head down on the steering wheel. We're like, what happened? Why are you having a heart attack? We're the ones pushing, you know. And he goes, I forgot to turn the key on. And the girl sitting there goes, even I would have known to do that. <laughs> she got him good. She got him good. But so many of us do the same thing, don't we? We have the keys, but we don't use the ignition. But Elijah did use the ignition. In fact, in James 5, 17, 18, which we're going to camp out on next week. Don't miss next week. We're going to camp out on James 5, 17, 18. Look what it says here. The, the, the key to turning on the ignition. Elijah was a man just like us. Except we're not as hairy, probably. But anyway, uh, he was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And he prayed, again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. What was the ignition? Prayer. He prayed earnestly. That was the spark. That's what ignited. That's what the ignition was. So many of us know God. We've put our faith, I'm guessing the majority of people here have put their faith in Jesus. If you haven't yet, I hope you do it today. But we put our faith in Jesus. We know his word. So we know God. We know his word. You know, we study the Bible. We know his word. We have the keys. But we never realize God's power in our life because we don't pray earnestly, fervently, like Elijah did. And we're going to see next week that he prayed for six months before he went before before Ahab, before he confronted Ahab. He prayed for six months. Before. That's why he had the courage. That's where he got it. That's where he got the courage with these keys. From God, through prayer, through that time with God. That's where he got it from. And in your, in your insert there on the bottom, there's a place to cut off there. I want to encourage you to, to take that insert and to cut that off. And it has the three keys, you know, perforated there. You can cut that off and put it somewhere on the fridge or on the mirror or on your TV. Something you'll see every day. Uh, you know, somewhere in a bookmark. Something you'll see every day. I want you to take that. And every time, have that where you can see it. But every time you use a key, whether it's getting in the car whether it's getting into the house, whenever you use that key, I want you to, that to be a reminder. Wait, wait, wait. Which spiritual key do I need today? Which one? Which one do I need in my life? And will I turn on the car and, and, the, and the spiritual key, will I turn it on? Turn on that power. Will I turn it on today? Will I know God's through prayer, will I know God's power in my life? Am I praying today or am I pushing my own car? <laughs> You ever feel like you're pushing the car? Guess what? Usually we do, don't we? 
But am I, am I going to keep pushing or am I going to depend on God's strength and his, his leading? And, and the car is a great place to do this too, by the way. A lot of us spend a lot of time in the car and we usually put on something stupid music and vegetate, right? The car is an awesome place. You think about the time we spend in our cars. It's an awesome place to put on that praise music and to, to play the word. You can play bi- the Bible on tape, just listen to it. You can play sermons. There's all kinds of great uh, you know, podcast sermons that you could listen to. You can just talk to God. After you get the praise music going, just talk to Him and listen. You don't always have to be talking. Prayer is not always talking. Most of prayer is listening. The vast majority of prayer is just being quiet and hearing what God is trying to say. He's always speaking to us. Let's pray. And as we go to this time of prayer, I just want to remind you, we always have a prayer team up front, over on the side there. We always have a prayer team for, for you if it's during this prayer time or it's during the worship time at the end or if it's after the service ends and everybody's walking out, you can just come up. They will stay and pray with you as long as you need. Sometimes they miss lunch. They just keep on praying. They're always up front here to pray with people. They do it every week. But as you go to this time of prayer, what challenge are we facing today? What's our challenge? What, what key do we need to take a hold of right now? Are those three keys to courage? Maybe it's the first key that we... You're here and you're not a Christian yet. Or you're not sure you're a Christian yet. You're not sure you've put your faith in Jesus. And the first key is, you know, we need to connect with God, the one true God. And the only way is by putting our faith in His one and only Son. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus? Have you ever acted on God's love, sending His Son to earth to die on a cross in our place? Whoever believes in Him, puts their faith in Him, gives their life to Him, you can do that right now. Right where you're sitting, you can pray the prayer of faith to God. It's not a fancy prayer. It's a simple prayer. God, please forgive me. Forgive my sin. Everything I've done in my life that goes against your word and your will for my life. Forgive me. I repent. I turn away from that old life. Forgive me. Because I'm putting my faith in Jesus. I believe he died for me. I believe he rose from the dead for me. I put my faith in Jesus. I'm going to follow him. I give my life to you, God. If you have put your faith in Jesus, something amazing has happened to you. 
God has sent his Holy Spirit into your heart at this very moment. And just like Elijah stood before God and knew he was in God's presence, you now know that God is in your heart. His Spirit is indwelling you. You can connect with God at any time, anywhere. You can talk to him as your heavenly father, the one true God. I want to encourage you to let somebody know if you've taken that step of faith. You can fill out the card in the bulletin and put it in the box on the way out. You can text me or email me. You can call me. You can tell me on the way out. You could maybe have a friend or family member here that you can tell. Tell somebody you've taken that step of faith because we're going to be so excited for you, but also want to encourage you, help you to grow close to God. Maybe you're already Christian, but God, but there's something in your life that you need courage to face today. I'm guessing all of us need that. For breathing, we need that courage to face something, don't we? Maybe a scary person or a scary situation. Which key do you need today? Who is God calling you to confront? Maybe it's share the gospel with somebody. Maybe it's to, to help someone break free of a sin that has got a hold of them, that they're blind to. It's scary, but we have to speak the truth in love. Maybe it's a scary step of faith that God is calling you to take today. Which key do you need to take a hold of today? Father, I know every one of us has a struggle that we need the courage from you to face. I pray that as we hold on to your keychain and as we talk to you and depend on you and turn to you, just like we breathe, we turn to you and, and we need, just like we need air, we need you all day, every day, all the time. In every situation, we need your mercy and grace. I pray that you would help each of us, Father, to know your word and to know your power in our life. We pray this in Jesus' name.